Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to talk particularly to those of us in the room today that are, would call ourselves Christians. So perhaps if you're on the journey of faith and perhaps you're not yet a Christian, then this morning you are let off the hook. And invite you to come, uh, just to, to listen, but particularly I'm going to talk to those that are Christians. Because one of the things that we as Christians do is we, we come to a point of faith where we say, Jesus, I invite you into my life and I want to follow you with my life. Isn't that true as Christians? And part of that means whatever God wants us to do in life, we want to do. We want to be obedient. We want to discover God's will for our lives. God, what do you want me to do? At different points in my life, I found myself thinking, well, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Sometimes it's some of the decisions that we make. There was a time in my life when um, I went to um, a men's conference once, and I was about 19 years of age, and they encouraged us in that conference um, to, to find out and ask God, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what does God want you to do with your life? So I thought, great. 19 years of age, thinking, okay, I'm going to pray this for a whole week. In fact, I'm going to show God that I'm in business. I'm actually going to do a bit of fasting as well. I'm going to ask God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? In fact, there was actually three specific areas. Um, one was that. One was, um, God, do you want me to get married? Another area I'm not going to tell you about. Three specific areas. And I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know when, if you've ever asked God a prayer like that, God, what do you want to do? Or God, I'm asking for guidance. Or how you expect God to answer you. So I prayed it quite religiously every single day. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Not really knowing what was going to happen. If anything, I was a little bit, I was reading through the Bible one time and I read about that Paul was saying that, you know, he wished that some people it would be better for some people not to get married. And when I read that, I thought, oh God, you don't want me to stay single, do you? That led me on this journey of, God, do you want me to get married? All this different stuff. And I was praying this every single day. Saturday morning came. I was in Peterborough at the time. I was at university. I was in a, a gap year where I was working for Thomas Cook in the headquarters at Peterborough. So Saturday morning, I just started going to a church on a Sunday for about a month, didn't know anyone there. So Saturday morning, I got out of bed and thought, okay, God, I'm going to pray same prayer again, I've been praying every single day, not knowing what God was going to do. And God, what do you want me to do with my life? And I'll explain to you what happened, and I don't expect this to happen to any one of us, because God speaks to us all individually, and God has never since spoken to me the same way since that time. But what happened, remember, I, I was 19, I didn't really know much about the things of God. I'd recently come back to the, the Lord from a period of being away from God and, and backsliding. And my heart started to beat, and I heard a voice. It wasn't like a voice as if you're hearing me now. It was inside my ears, and it said simply, wait until tomorrow, wait until tomorrow. Twice. And that was it. So maybe like you, you're probably thinking... Has Dave eaten too much cheese the night before? I thought, either I'm going mad, or maybe, just maybe, that might be God. 
Well, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? It's in the eating. Wait until tomorrow, wait until tomorrow. I've got to wait until Sunday. So went to um, this church service in Peterborough. Had a great time, great time of worship, great time of, of, of hearing the word, but nothing particularly was talking into my three areas that I was praying about. God's will, getting married and, and different things. The third one. And I sat there in the service. Okay, God. Great. <laughs> Great. And uh, suddenly this, this, this guy came up to me. Introduces himself. His name was um, Gio. He was um, Italian. Gosh, I've got a connection with Italians, haven't I? Married Leanne, who's half Italian. This year came to me and says, uh, oh, what's your name? Says Dave. Says, oh, great, what, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm a student. I'm a gap year here, working for a year. Fantastic. He says, well, Dave, do you mind if I um, talk to you? I, I believe God's given me some words for you. Do you know what? It was exactly the three areas that I was praying into. God's got a plan for my life. It was the first time I heard about being called into ministry, into lead- any form of leadership. At that time, I, and I still am, it got a shy side to me. And at that time, I was very shy. Anything on my face would go beetroot. Okay. And God said, in your final, God said through this man, Gio, in your final year, you're going to be doing lots of different group presentations to people. And God's going to use this to build your confidence. Wow. God wants you to get married. He's already organizing uh, someone you're going to get married to. And he answered my third area too. Wow. Let me tell you, in that, my final year at university, um, there was loads of opportunities for presentations. Not once did I put my name down to do this public speaking. Lots of group work. And I thought, there's many more people. I'm not going to... Every single one, people pushed me forward. Dave, you do it. So... God spoke to me there very clearly through a sense of his voice, through a prophecy. That's God speaking, um, someone speaking on God's behalf in a situation. And years unfolded. And even since that time, do you know what? Hearing God's voice has become sometimes easy, but sometimes harder. Finding God's will for my life is hard. I don't know if you, you, you relate to that. Trying to hear God's voice. How does God speak to us? And I found that as I've gone on in my journey of faith with God, God's made it harder. Because what I've learned is God wants me to trust him. At the start of my journey of faith, God was making it easy for me. This is how he can hear and it's what I want to talk to you about. But then he wants me to more learn to trust him. And I'm sure many of us in this room today can, can relate to the desire to find out what does God want to do with your life. Also to guide you even on the day to day. Some of us today might be thinking, well, I'm about to start a career in life, or what, do you, what career do you want me to go down? Which career path? Or I'm looking for a job. What, what job do you want me to enter? Or I want to get married to someone. Who should I marry? Due to the day-to-day, God, I need to pay some bills. Would you guide me to how I'm going to pay these bills? Would you lead me? Would you speak to me? Would you guide me? Areas that affect every single one of our lives. And as Christians, we need to know what God is saying, don't we? But hands up if you find it hard. My hands up. It's hard because it's not always easy. I wish, you know, we're going to hear in a minute uh, how Gideon had an angel come to visit him. Well, I wish that happened. <laughs> God, what do you want me to do in my life? Da-da. Be a bit freaky. I'd be a bit freaked out. But God speaks to us in so many different ways. 
But God wants you to understand that he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know how he speaks to you. And that you can, it's, it's for you today. Not for certain people, but for every single one of us. And if I could give you some keys today that can unlock how you can hear God's voice. And how you can be guided by God. Wouldn't you want to know? So that you can make the right decisions about following God. Sometimes day to day, sometimes month to month, maybe in the future. God wants to speak to us. Well, I'm glad that the Bible's got a lot to say about God speaking to us. In fact, here's a couple of scriptures. Psalm, which is one of the um, songbooks in the Bible, says this. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Isn't that amazing? So our steps are ordered by God. And the fact that God delights in the way that you and I travel, isn't that amazing? So if God delights in the way that we travel, doesn't God want to do something about that? Doesn't God want to speak into that so we, we make our way the right way? Proverbs 16 verse 9, when the wisdom book says, A man's heart plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. And that might seem a little bit like a contradiction. Like the man, man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. But actually, what you realize is that we have been made in the image of God. And therefore, God has made you, God has made me unique people with our own personalities, our own background experiences, our own unique skills. God knows us inside out. And therefore, if we've got a desire to do something, couldn't that just be God has put that in our hearts? And therefore, we might plan our way, but the Lord directs his steps. And God leads us sometimes to the desires of the heart. I'm going to leave us with this thought today. I'm going to be coming back to this a few times. Your private steps will determine your public significance. Your private steps will determine your public significance. So I'm not talking necessarily about public in terms of lots of people, but all of us have a private life and a public life. In our public life, people, we have different relationships that we are connected with, but we have influence with. It could be it's our immediate family. It could be the people we live with. It could be our co-workers at work. It could be our friends. We all have a, a public domain to our life, but also a private. The private world is you and yourself. And if you're a Christian, God. And the public is the relationships that we have. And it's true that your private steps, the things that you do in private, will de- determine your public significance. The things that we do, the good, the bad and the ugly, can have an effect on those that we do life with. And God wants us to understand his will for our lives in the private that will then influence our public domain. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Judges chapter 6. The words will appear on the screen. I'm going to listen, hear a little bit about how one man's life was turned upside down. And this man, Gideon, was forever trying to find out God's will, a bit like you and I. Judges chapter 6. Just to um, 
bring a bit of background to this. Um, Judges uh, is a time in the nation of Israel when there is no central leader, leadership figure. Okay? The Bible says that every man did what was right in their own eyes. What happened, they're following the leadership of Joshua. Joshua has now died. Joshua was a central leader that brought them into a land that God had given these people. And now they're in the land and everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. It sounds like a bit of anarchy, doesn't it? It sounds like, goodness me. But actually, the people, the Israelites, they wanted to follow God. And they had a, had a desire to read and listen to the Torah, which is like the first five books of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible. So they read that and let that God speak to them through that. But there was no central leadership figure. And only when there was times of crisis, like an enemies would be attacking, would a central leadership figure rise up and help deliver the Israelites. So we read this. There's been a time of 40 years of rest, no fighting. And suddenly in verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now let's not judge them too, too quickly. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but who, who has ever done anything wrong in their life? Let's not be harsh to judge these people here. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. The Midianites were a, a, a traveling group of people. Um, many, many people. Many people. And they, they love they, they to, to attack crops, attack homes, burn homes, and ravage villages. These Midianites weren't a, were a bad lot. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds, which are in the mountains. So the Israelites fled to the mountains because, literally, if they're out in the open, they get killed. Their crops were being ravaged. They had to find a way of trying to get food for their families. And so they did it in secret of the mountains, in dens and caves. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, sown the grain, that the Midianites would come up, also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And this is taking place around sort of Syria. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So even the very livestock that they had, the cattle they had, was stolen and taken away from the Israelites. Not a good time. For seven years this is happening. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. It says without number because loads of them. In fact, as we look later into, into the chapter next week, there's probably about 130,000 people. It's a lot, isn't it? A lot of people. 130,000 people. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midnights. And it says in verse 6 there, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Do you know what? Whenever, I think all of us go through difficult times, don't we? Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It's the way it is. But in this situation, the people of Israel had lost their protection from God because they disobeyed God. And it says in verse 10 what happens. And when they start to cry out, God sent a prophet. That's, that's someone who's going to speak on God's behalf. And he tells them exactly why they're in a difficult time. That 
God had rescued them from Egypt, as slaves in Egypt. God had rescued them, given them their own land, and they disobeyed God. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Um, and this is the end of verse 10, but you have not obeyed my God, my voice. And doesn't that bring us back to the whole area of guidance? Hearing God's voice and obeying it. But in this time, they clearly heard God's voice. And what God was saying is, do not worship the idols of the Amorites. Do not worship idols. Now, idol worship was commonplace amongst many different people groups at that time. What they would often do is have um, altars, as Chris has already referred to this morning, where there might be places of worship, and they'd have images that people would bow down to and worship. Do we have idols today? Well, some people groups do in the nations of the world, that they would bow down, figures. But in Western culture, don't we have idols? If an idol is something that takes our thought, our time, our energy, and ultimately our heart, that is an idol. And to us as Christians, anything which takes the place of our heart of God is an idol. Could that be our favorite possessions? Could it be our nice car, our homes, even our work, even our busyness, even the things we do for God that could be an idol? Because God wants the first place in our lives. God wants us to, to, to honor him first. And God doesn't mind us having, and loves us to have good things and nice things. But as long as they don't have our heart, we can have nice things, but don't let the nice things have our heart. And then we then go into, on the scene, this man called Gideon. And this man called Gideon is a man which we see who's threshing wheat. And an angel of the Lord came and sat under a turbanth tree, which is in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abysrite. And we've got to realize, in this time, in the nation of Israel, is broken up into different tribes, and each tribe's got different families or clans. And here we've got a man called um, Gideon, who belongs to the family called the Abysrites. And his son, Gideon, threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon is threshing wheat. wheat is, he's trying to separate the wheat and the chaff so he can actually um, eat food. And where is he doing it? Is he doing it on a threshing floor out in the open? No. He's doing it in a wine press. A wine press is being at a low place where you would tread what wine, obviously, and the grapes to get to make wine. This is talking about a low place in the life of Gideon and a low place in the life of the people of God, the Israelites. He's in a low place. He's pressing wine, he's um, threshing wheat. He's in a low place. And suddenly this angel appears and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What do we know about Gideon? He's probably the eldest of the, of, um, the family. Should he be um, threshing wheat? No, his servants would. But here he is. He's the eldest of the family, the sons. He's threshing wheat. He's doing something he shouldn't be doing. He's in a low place. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, <laughs> if the Lord is with us, then why is this all happened to us? Have you ever asked that question? God, if you're there, why is all this bad stuff happening? Why am I in this difficult time? Why is this happening to me? You ever been there? Ask that question. Why is this happening to us? And where are all these miracles that our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. 
Wow. On one hand, we've got this angel appearing saying that God is with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a low place. Doesn't really believe it. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midnights. Have I not sent you? So now the angel is saying, not only in low place, not only is God with you, but you know what? You, Gideon, no matter how you, whatever you think about yourself, no matter how you're feeling, you, <laughs> mighty man of valor, are going to save the nation of Israel against 130,000 enemies. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that was you. Imagine you're in the situation of Gideon right there, you're, you're scared, you're, you're probably hungry, you get the basic of food to eat, you're threshing wheat, desperately trying to get some food, and someone says to you, you're a mighty man and you're going to save the nation of Israel. Would you have believed? Would you have believed? I don't know. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. That literally means you're going to defeat the Midianite 130,000 people as if they were literally a single person. So not only is God with him, not only is Midian, though you're scared, um, you're going to defeat them personally. But you know what? It's going to be that easy. It's going to be as if it's one person. I would not, I don't believe, I believe that. I'm being honest, I'm being real. I'd have struggled to believe that. If I was in Gideon's situation, having gone through the seven years that he'd gone through. Then Gideon said to him, if now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. He's saying, God, if this is really you talking to me, show me a sign. It's a good question. Have you ever, ever asked God that? God, if that's really you speaking, show me, prove it to me. I want to serve you. I want to know your will. I want to know what you want me to do with my life. Confirm it to me. Show me. Show me something. The line's a bit faded. I can't hear you. Can you show me? Can you prove it? I'm desperate. And God shows his will to Gideon. He proves it when Gideon goes to sacrifice. Amazing. And in verse 25, before that, um, it says, Now it came to pass in the same night that the Lord said, Your father's young bull, the seven bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. So suddenly, God is speaking to, to um, Gideon and he's giving some instructions. The very first thing I want you to do is actually your ha- household, your family, has start to worship the Baals, the false gods, the idols. I want you to tear down your dad's altar. Tear it down. In its place, build an altar to God. Put yourself in the shoes of Gideon. How would you feel? You're now not only just talking to me personally, you want me to do something that affects my family. Forget saving the nation of Israel. I, I don't know if I can come to terms with that yet, God. But do that to my family. The good thing is, Gideon obeys God. He's scared, so he does it at night. Under the cover of darkness, he takes a bull with him and he tears down the altars and builds an altar to God. Wow. 
And it says there, verse 7, So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And what happens in the morning breaks and people see that his father's always been, <laughs> his father's always been torn down. His father's um, cattle has been burnt on the altar as a, as a sacrifice. And suddenly, who has done this thing? And suddenly whispers start to go out. It's been Gideon. It's Gideon. He's done it to his dad's altar. And the men are saying, he should surely die. And his dad stands up for him saying, well, Leave him alone. If, if, if the person that we've been worshipping, Baal, is really a god, then he can talk for himself. He can defend himself. But we know it was a false god. So Gideon's not going to be killed. Gideon's done his first step in the private that has led to public significance. Because the Bible says in verse 33, suddenly bad news happens. At this point... The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the East gathered together. Suddenly, these enemies that have been coming to them probably on an annual basis are gathering at this moment in time once again. I don't know if you, if you were Gideon right now, how you'd be feeling. God, you've been asking me to deliver the people of God, the Israelites. You've asked me to do it, and now suddenly it's happening. The people are gathering again. They're going to come and destroy our crops, our livestock. They're going to rampage our villages. They're going to burn our houses. They're going to trash our crops. God. And it says in verse 34, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. Suddenly something different has happened. Because in battles in those days, you blew the ram's horn as a battle cry to gather for war. Gideon was scared. But there's something about Gideon, I think he was a man of courage. I believe what God was saying about him, a mighty man of valor, was actually true. But he had to stand it for himself. And he blew the ram's horn in the public. And as he blew that ram's horn, what happened? People started to gather behind Gideon. People saw, by he obeying the small steps in the private of tearing down his father's altar... People saw leadership in Gideon. And so it says that the Abyssalite, his family, gathered behind him. In fact, it also goes on to say that he sent messages to Manasseh. They also gathered behind him. And also people from the, the tribes of Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, they came and met him. So suddenly he's got people gathered behind him. And we read later that he's got now 32,000 people in a moment that have started to gather him in the public. Why? Because he obeyed God in the private. If God is telling you to do anything, and we'll come into how we understand God's voice, but God is telling you to do anything in the private, do it. Because as we obey God in the private, then it leads us to have significance in the public. And do you know what, what it does? When we obey God in the private, our character is built up, our trustworthiness is built up. Things invisible to other people are built up. And when people see you, maybe in the workplace or maybe in your neighborhood, they realize that you're a man or woman that can be trusted. Not because of what they've seen you do, because they know that you're a trustworthy person. It's our character speaks volumes. And God wants to build our character up. So let's be people that obey God in the private. Your private steps will determine your public significance. 
And we're going to go into next week about how we, what, God, what Gideon did next. We know the story. We're going to unpack that a bit more. But how can we hear God's voice? So we can obey God in the private. How, do we, how does God guide us? How does God speak to us? How does God speak to you? Well, there are many ways. And I've taken just five, five steps here. I've, I've borrowed these from Nicky Gumbel because I think these are amazing. These are great. These, you'll find these in the Alpha course. But these are really, really good headlines. God speak to us, speaks to us through commanding Scripture, the Bible. The Bible is been written by people across centuries as God has inspired them. And as Christians, we believe it's the Word of God. It is infallible. It is um, it's God speaking to us. And in there, we'll, we'll find God's general will. Principles for living, principles for, for marriage, for bringing up children, for doing life. General will. And if you want to know some principles, read the Bible. But sometimes, if you're asking God to, to guide you, sometimes... You might be reading a passage of scripture and it might suddenly, as if it like, as if it like a light's been shining on it, suddenly it might be just a single verse and it might light up and you might think, wow, God's speaking to me. Very, something very specific to your situation. Now, when we read the Bible, we must always read it in context. And so many people sort of grab things out of context and, and try and make it fit their situation. So when we're hearing God, God will confirm it in various ways. But if you do, God highlights this particular passage to you, write it down. Make a note of it. But God will also confirm it in different ways too. So God speaks to us to, through the Bible, through commanding Scripture. That's why we encourage us. Let's be men and women that read the Bible. It's hard. We have to, we have to read delve deep. We have to understand it. We have to get the different tools in the Bible aims. But let's be people that try, do our best to, to read the Bible. The second way God guides us is through compelling spirit. That's the Holy, God has given us the Holy Spirit. We believe in Father God, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has sent us to guide us, to lead us, and to remind us of what Jesus has said and done. And as you pray, God, would you speak to, to me? God, would you guide me? God, I've got this situation. What do you want me to do? God, through his Holy Spirit, can guide you and can lead you. How? As you pray. As you pray, you might suddenly have a strong desire. Like I said at the beginning, God has made us. God knows our hearts. And God can put, can't he, a desire in our heart to do something. And sometimes you know if it's God. Because if you've got a desire to do something that you naturally wouldn't choose to want to do, potentially that could be God speaking. We know people that have gone on the mission fields. And they never once have wanted to go to that people group. But God had put something on their hearts to go there. God speaks to us through someone's eyes. God speaks through prophecy. That's where someone speaks on behalf of God. I believe God might be saying this. Prophecy can be forth-telling about the future, but it can also be talking about what God is thinking. It's great. We are all different. And God can speak to us in our, all of our different personalities and ways. Maybe through dreams. You might have a dream. I don't dream much. I can very rarely remember any dreams. But some of you might have dreams that you remember. And some of those dreams might actually be too much cheese the night before. <laughs> but it could be it's God speaking to you in a situation. Through visions, through pictures. Some of you might be picture people. 
I'm more of a sort of a, uh, an auditory person. I, 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 I learn a lot by discussing and by words, a little bit of visual. But some of you might be more vision-related people. And God could speak to you by giving you a picture in your head, which means something. God speaks to his Holy Spirit uniquely to you. And God will use different methods to do that. So we have his commanding scripture, we have compelling spirit. Let's not forget common sense. God's common sense these days isn't sometimes always, always that common. God has given us a brain. And sometimes, as Christians, we can throw our brains out. God, give me a, a particular sign. May uh, this amazing event happen, then I'll know it's you, God. But God has given us a brain. Maybe if you look over your life, there's been a series of types of people that you've connected with, background experiences that you've 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 gone through that have formed you, that have that have helped you ready for another experience. So, for example, um, with with myself, there was a time when um, I found myself uh, looking to do God's will, and uh, I found myself working with young people. I was in a, a college. Um, and I was a youth, lead, a youth worker in a, in a colleague, college in Nuneaton. And uh, suddenly this teaching vacancy came up. I'd not got any teaching experience, didn't know what to do. God, do you want me to have this job? Well, I prayed about it. I wish I could say God said in a loud voice, yes, Dave, go for it. But it never happened. So I thought about it. Well, I've got an experience working with young people. It was about is it a job teaching IT. I've got an IT qualification. Um, I've got no teaching experience. I'm look, I feel I need to move on to the next step in my life. What should I do? So I prayed about it, and there was just a sense of I had a desire, strong desire, desire to actually apply for it. So I did that. God never spoke to me in a big, loud voice. Cut a long story short, I got the job. So never underestimate your common sense. And God will speak to us in various different ways. Fourthly, God speaks to us through circumstantial signs. So God might open a door up, an opportunity for you. Then out of a situation, there's an opportunity for me to apply for a job in teaching. God might open up opportunities for you. But God might also close doors. So as you go try and try an opportunity, the door might close. It's fine. Trust God. Sometimes, though, we need to be careful with, with, our, with our, our circumstances because sometimes... We need to push through. Sometimes there might be a situation where actually the door is closing, but actually God wants you to try again, to go again. Try another time. And as you do, and sometimes not taking no for an answer, suddenly the door opens, and it's God wanting you to push through. Our circumstances. And finally, God wants to speak through the counsel of the saints. That's through the wisdom of God's people. That means sharing some of your thoughts with other Christians. Now, we've got to be careful here. Because there's a tendency, if we want to do this, to talk to people that are going to say, that's a great idea. Because people want to encourage us. Yeah, that's great, that's great. But we need to choose people that, first of all, care about us. Really care about us. And will give their honest opinion. Now, it could be that their opinion is wrong, but at least they care about you. That's the most important thing. They care about you. So let's not tell it to everyone, but let's choose carefully who you're going to 
share these things with. But God wants to guide you as God wants to guide Gideon back then in 1144 BC. God wants to speak to you today. And the great thing is, is God has a plan and purpose for every single one of our lives. He really has. God doesn't want us just to exist as, as Christians trying to find God's will. God wants us to make a, a dent in life. God wants us to have purpose. God wants us, things that we do to make a difference to the relationships around us, that public domain. And as we just say, God, I, whatever you say, I just want to do. We've got the Bible. We can read that. But specifically, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? Our mission statement there says, living life purposefully. God wants us to live life on purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. All he wants us to do is, if you like, ask him for the map. God, what do you want me to do? And just imagine if we, as a church, as people, get used to asking God to guide us rather than trying to do it in our own strength. Will that make more of a difference? God, what do you want me to do here? And, and let's let so many of these different areas just sink in. God can guide you. God can speak to you. It may not always be an easy way, but it will confirm it, his speaking. And the next thing is be obedient. As Mary said to at the, that first Canaan, when Jesus turned water into the wine, whatever he says, do it. And as we obey him, in the private, it will determine our public significance. Let's pray. Father, I believe that we, many of us can, can relate to the life of Gideon, where he was just trying all the time, just trying to understand your will. He, he laid the, the fleece out. Um, if, it's gonna be, if it's your will, then... Let it be dry on the ground and wet on the fleece and, and the opposite way around. And we send so many different signs up to you. And it seems like we overcomplicate trying to hear your voice, trying to seek your guidance. But I thank you that you speak to us all as individuals in unique ways and you confirm it through different ways. And I pray that as your people, we would learn to hear your voice through your word, through the Holy Spirit through our circumstances, through common sense, through these different ways, God. I pray that we'll be people who want to do that. And as we do, we would be people that are quick to obey you. Lord, if you ask us to do something, God, and it might seem difficult, I pray that you would give us the confidence and the boldness to do it anyway. And right now, I just want to take a pause a moment. Maybe God has been speaking to you about a particular situation that he wants you to do. Maybe he's been speaking to you over the last even few weeks and you've delayed and you've perhaps put it off. God wants you to obey. God wants you just to do it. Delayed obedience is even disobedience. So obey God. Do what he's asking you to do. And I pray, Lord, as your people, as we start to obey you in the very small thing, that you would guide and direct our paths and that, Lord, you would help our relationships to be significant. That, Lord Jesus, that you would do amazing things 
in our lives as individuals, in the lives of the, our friends and families, those people that we care for. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.